0: Welcome to the Citadel Builders Podcast. This show revolves around discussions with pleb builders actively looking to create and develop circular economies, advance the use of Bitcoin for long-term savings and day-to-day transactions. We aim to raise awareness of the dangers of ever-encroaching government and corporate surveillance, showing how people can take practical steps to increase their privacy and sovereignty. In so doing, we aim to add our voices to those fighting to reduce the corruption made possible by fiat money and its destructive consequences. Block by block, we build and participate in circular Bitcoin economies of free and sovereign individuals. We are a value for value podcast, so if you enjoy listening to the show and you've gotten anything out of it, please hit us up on the Fountain app with a thousand sats or show us some love over at our main site, tokyocitadel.com. This will be an interview show, so it will not have the main three hosts, rather it will just be one host and one guest. All right, and
1: we are recording. Um, This is Mike here, your co host of the Citadel Builders podcast. And today I'm here again with RS Christopher to record uh, part two of our interview. So uh, we'll pick up where we left off last time. Um, It's nice to have you back on the show. And uh, how are you doing today?
2: Doing well. Nice to be back. Um, Yeah, there's so much uh, so many different things to talk about. Uh, (laughs) Hard to remember where we left off exactly. But yeah, no, this is uh, great to be back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I guess we're in a bullish week. We've had a bullish last two weeks, I guess. We're I think we're at we're back at 26,000 or something like that, 25 and a half. But uh, yeah, we left we left yeah. off the conversation last time. We were talking about mining and um I think you wanted to get a little bit more into some some topics on mining. Uh, so we'll we'll just pick back up there.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can kind of we can sort of just go through these um Remember exactly, but like we, we touched upon, uh, I, I was mentioning some like uh, the difference between off grid, non grid, small and and the larger mines, uh, as that's a I think a, a key point to understand right now, um, especially as a lot of people want to get into this space. Like, I, I, I end up talking to a lot of people who are like, whether they want to do home mining or they a lot of people think they need to just sort of get involved, like Bitcoiners, I mean, feel they want to get involved in mining as a way to sort of help, um. And I, and I, in some sense, it's awesome. But I also want to like scare away people. <laughs> like the people who remain are probably going to be credit mining. But it is it is a it is a cutthroat industry. It's really interesting to understand like where all the pieces are. So if you do like legit, someone wants to get involved. Like don't get involved because you think this is needed. This will help. Uh, Like Bitcoin's going to fail unless enough like clubs get involved to like keep it going. Um, it's it's going like the the game theory behind it is is working i'll say um and mining is is probably the probably the toughest business to get into um especially right now like you mentioned like uh, hey the you know price is pumping it's looking good but like oh compared to hash rate like it's still lagging i'll say like hash rate the difficulty is going up and up i think last last time we talked i was like oh man it's at another all time high And here we are a couple weeks later, and hey, it's even higher. (laughs) So the, you know, moving average up to, what is this, like 320, 325, exahash. And every day you get news of, like, new facilities coming online. And the things that move the needle on this, to kind of touch on the on-grid, off-grid, the things that move the needle are the on-grid, what we could call mega mines, these giant facilities with, you know, thousands say tens of thousands of machines um, that said the off-grid stuff is is super cool I love hearing about it um, people who are working on it I think it's amazing it's it's really neat stuff um, it's far more in some sense it's more challenging um, just because you're basically just scouring around for like free energy so to speak so, like the the great ex- a good example is like all the flared uh, uh, gas thats especially in uh, West Texas. So if anyone's uh, driven through West Texas, you'll go through these uh, you know oil fields and all that, and you'll just look around and you'll just see these like flamethrowers shooting up <laughs> into the sky, and that's the flaring. Um, it's so the idea is like, look, there's uh, free energy here if you can like tap into it, as in you provide the generator. You can get the excess oil that otherwise would be flared because, you know, just by nature of of the uh, wasted energy that's just part of oil and natural gas, for example. Um, however, one of the things about the off-grid is it tends to be like tiny amounts of hash rate. Um, you know, so some of the some of these outfits that are successfully doing off-grid mining, uh, you know, they'll have maybe like a hundred, a couple hundred uh, petahash. Um, and so to put that into like, you know, numbers today, as this hash rate keeps going up, um, that's, you know, maybe two, three blocks per month. Um, and these are not cheap operations. You have a lot of staff, you have to go way the hell out in the middle of nowhere. You're running your own, you know, diesel generators, your own containers filled with miners. So you need a lot of capital to even pay for these miners. You need to maintain them. You need to like make sure the air is going through there and all that. Um, but people do it, and uh, when things are looking good, people are able to like, you know, actually like make some money at this. Um, however, I, it, it's like you know, six months ago they were probably making significantly more—three, four, five times more than they're making now. Um, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm counting that in Sats. I'm counting that just in an actual Bitcoin earned. Uh, ignoring the the BTC USD price action, so just looking at the economics in uh, in, in in terms of satoshis, uh, it's it's still such a hard game. Um, the actual BTC USD makes makes or breaks whether you can stay in business or whether you're taking loans, and what a lot of these, especially on grid places, had to do uh, as we got into this uh, bear market. Uh, is start taking out loans against their equipment, against their facilities. We kind of talked about that before. But all that that's led to is a sort of, I don't know, re reallocation <laughs> of assets. So the, the, the miners, the facilities, all this stuff has sort of changed hands and is sort of moving around from hedge fund to hedge fund, if you will. Um, and it's interesting to see how this will shape up because uh, everyone is out there bringing more facilities on online everyone kind of knows like the price will eventually catch up but there's very little money being made right now yet everyone is just like out there trying to be the last one to survive and take whatever they've got and buy up (laughs) those that fail uh kind of the best way which is why i caution anyone who who is thinking of getting into mining like make sure you know what you're doing if you're getting into this uh, if you've got access to super cheap electricity and you're really good at, you know, building generators and, and especially like cooling hot equipment, uh, you'll love it. Uh, otherwise, man, it's 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 a constant battle of sort of like chasing where you could find uh, energy. Um, that that that's sort of that's well, where where do you want to go from here? That that's sort of my like high level summary.
1: Yeah, I, I guess that's really um that's that's a good caution. A good, a good cautionary information i mean i think a lot of people when they first learn about bitcoin they um they're coming from a mentality where it's just like always be working always be grinding so when they look at the mining space they view it as uh like a way to get like hands-on involvement and be active as opposed to just like stacking sats and sitting on them, putting them into cold storage and sitting on them it feels very like passive and people aren't used to that but but you, you don't I guess what you're saying is for most people, if you try to get into the mining game, it's going to be a net loss in terms of Satoshis.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's 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 especially if you're thinking it's going to be easy. I'll just plug some equipment in. I mean, a lot of people do approach it that way. Um, You know, how hard can it be? Um, I mean, even even some of these uh, big New York uh, hedge fund types, um, they're getting wrecked right now, right? Like because they approach it like, oh, we'll hire a bunch of people. And who do you hire right now? There's, you know, the number of people who really know how to run large mines, like they're they're busy. So what they end up doing is like, everyone's got experience at data centers, let's say, you know, like, hey, shit, Google's laid off a bunch of people. So you get a bunch of data center types. And so there's a lot of people out there with like, you know, good, you know, kind of like sysadmin knowledge, good, like infrastructure uh, knowledge, you know, they can build data centers. They know how that works. Mining is such a different game, though right and the only way to really approach it right now especially if you have that kind of background which, you know a lot of people do and they're just throwing money at this trying to figure this out um, it, you have to be humble you have to really just like recognize like oh this is different than anything i've looked at before um you know like to give an example uh something i've run into and <laughs> in, 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 uh, professionally um with some of the like, kind of the data center types a, a standard rack at you know a, a Google or Facebook data center um you know, there's a single rack and if, if people aren't familiar when we say rack it's like a specific size uh, of equipment uh floor to ceiling usually in a data center and you have uh, rack units so you have like 1U is 1 inch and it's just like a 1 inch flat pizza box server that just kind of slides into your rack right 4U is was a big beefy server with a bunch of hard drives let's say so you you know so you'd basically just have compute data, all this kind of stuff, in these racks. Um, Bitcoin miners don't fit into standard server racks, and even if they did, the amount of space and power is completely different. Um, average rack, fully loaded, like at a data center, is averaging maybe like five uh, thousand watts or something like that. Um, you know, a single S19 is putting out thirty-five hundred watts um consuming sorry not putting out um and so you you know you, you end up with in a single rack space if you will um geez you know maybe 10 times more <laughs> energy and heat <laughs> in that same area so if you look at mining the name of the game is especially even in the mega mines like it's all custom it's all about like airflow making sure you move around all your hot air away from <laughs> you know where the uh, the miners are in need cold air um, it, whereas you, you have some of that 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 is a, a real concern at the big data centers but nowhere near the same level um, so it's it's in some sense it's very different and I think people are learning that now and then they also were discovering like oh this is you know n- not what we're used to and what's so interesting though is the moment you get good at it um, like people got good at building data centers 20 years ago, like all the Amazon stuff, you know, maybe starting about 20 years ago up till now, everyone got really good at that. Uh, but 20 years ago, uh, the data centers, direct designs, the air intakes, the, the, the HVAC systems, all that were, haven't changed at all. It's, it's it's the same basic layout, right? Your, your compute is faster, you got some nicer new equipment, but generally like the, 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 the amount of power they're consuming while it's gone up a bit, uh, it's not that dramatically different for Bitcoin though, uh, it's hard to get good at it and then shit just, it's going to end up changing. Like in five years from now, are these big mega mines and even the off grid, uh, containers, are they going to look the same? Are they going to work the same? Cause they haven't like five years ago, you had different type. You had a completely different, like uh, power layout, right? Um, you had, you had different, uh, air conditioning needs, things like that. Um, it's constantly changing and people are just coming up with like crazy kind of like hacks and like novel solutions per site. So almost every mining facility, even the big ones, it's not that sort of thing you hear about at Google or Facebook where they just sort of like, you know, ship entire, like, you know, pods full of racks and just kind of, you know, plug the whole, uh, you know, unit in, um, you know, cause they get, they, they figure it out and they get it down to a science. Um, in this case, it's like, oh, you're always having to like tackle something new, right? So like, Hey, the latest latest from Bitmain is, uh, you know, not air-cooled, uh, it's, it's not fully immersion either. It's like a little hybrid thing with like, you know, runs, uh, oil over the, uh, hashboards, Right? So that lends itself to a completely different facility, completely different layout. Um, so as a result, there's a lot of interesting, like learning you can do. Um, it lends itself to bespoke custom kind of hardware solutions just constantly. And I have the kind of feeling like, I don't think it'll ever just sort of settle. <laughs> like we'll never just have like what a standard Bitcoin mine looks like the way we have for what does a data center look like. You know, one data center to another is basically the same these days. And they've, they've sort of evolved and it, it, it works and everyone learns that and kind of knows how that works when you work in that space. For Bitcoin, it's it's, I don't think ever <laughs> that'll ever happen the moment you got it figured out. Here's some newer next generation of machines. Here's some newer like hashboards And then you learn, you can like configure them differently um, to kind of fit them into more efficient uh, uh, setups, right? And so you're constantly trying to do that. Cause you know, as we talked about last time, is like you're, you're, you're entirely driven by your hash rate, right? You're not selling like, so every data center Think about this. Every data center is out there selling compute resources, You know, they're selling data storage, whatever it is they're selling. They've got customers, Amazon's got customers, Facebook obviously has customers. Um, and so you have sales teams, you know, that's how you make your money. Um, with Bitcoin, there's no customers. Uh, Bitcoin mining, right? Like oh, the, the customers of the plebs buying Bitcoin, but <laughs> that, that's about it. But like the mining economics is unlike anything that's ever existed um you are entirely engineering driven uh revenue like you are literally just making money from engineering um the closest you might get is you know old school gold mining or power generation but even then power generation has customers uh if you're mining gold you're probably under contract with either some nation state or someone who has an exclusive contract you know some mint that's going to take it and mint your gold and stuff like that uh, Bitcoin, no. Like you're, you just Bitcoin. You just get, you know, you you win a block, you get your, uh, you get your block subsidy, get your block reward. You've just got some Bitcoin, just like everyone else. Um, you, know, you you get the usable money right away. Um, no need for a mint. No need for anything like that. Um, so it kind of cuts out much of the business chains. Um, and as a result, everyone's just trying to figure out the max amount of hash rate they can get from the minimal amount of electricity um, that they can, or really just like resources that they can like put, how do I maximize the amount of hash rate I can get? And so you're seeing a lot of like custom things, um, which is why I think I, I, I so love the off grid stuff, even though it's like, uh, if you if you talk to people doing the big like mega mine stuff, doing on grid stuff, you know, they get a power purchasing agreement. And they're pumping out like you know several exa hash at a facility. Um, they kind of laugh at the off grid stuff because it's 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 such small hash rate they don't really care. But if you look at the kind of innovation happening in the off grid stuff, like these guys are just doing cool stuff. They're 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 solving problems that no one's thought of. Whereas the the big mega mines just need to like scale up to you know hey how do I get ten thousand miners online you know by the end of the week? <laughs> they're, they're usually challenged with that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It's it's it's. All very interesting um in some sense i it, like i i wanted to like give some insights to it so for people out there especially clubs who are interested in the space um you know kind of like get a sense and know what you're getting into um i will say though if someone does have the desire you kind of touched on this um like they just want to help the network you know they don't want to just sit and stack sets um definitely get into the commerce side of it you know so like uh three three ways i kind of think about bitcoin uh the first one that everyone is sort of familiar with is just saving right you know just stacking sats that's that's the easiest thing to do um it it gets complicated depending on how secure you want your sats to be uh but you know that that's something everyone who touches bitcoin is going to have to get into uh, commerce in the future, if we're ever under a Bitcoin standard, that's going to be everyone's first interaction with Bitcoin, like prices will be in sats or ba- something backed by Bitcoin. Um, but that's something people can get involved with right now. And honestly, that's an area that's probably the most in need of like neat solutions and just, just new business ideas. Uh, You know, like, how how does one buy and sell normal stuff, your bakeries and all this kind of stuff in Bitcoin, right? Is lightning really ready? Eh, it's getting there. (laughs) There's KYC issues. There's all that kind of privacy uh, concerns. Um, But helping merchants being able to transact in Bitcoin, helping customers be able to go and, you know, go to their favorite place and just buy stuff in Bitcoin easier than they have been before. I know there there is a lot of places doing that, but that those are areas I would say will make the biggest uh, impact. So for anyone out there who just like kind of wants to help and get involved, like commerce is probably like where it's needed most. Um, and that's also interesting because commerce is where you get a sort of positive sum game. If you're successful and everyone copies you, you're still successful. In mining, if you're successful, be prepared for your competitors to you know try to cut your throat. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's you know has that zero-sum game of mining makes it uh far more difficult and mining will be good regardless of whether you get involved or not and everyone who gets involved just makes it harder for everyone else and so in a weird way it's kind of like get involved if you you like that kind of cutthroat game uh but just know that it's like you're fighting over a shared sort of like you know the, the same the same pool of money so to speak whereas if you get involved in other areas, especially in the commerce side of things, uh, you know, you're actually adding to economies. You're adding to, if we, if we think of Bitcoin's sort of entire market, if it's think of its entire like economy as, as, as a separate thing, as a subset of the larger economy. Right now it's tiny because we're still so early. Uh, the more you do in commerce, the more you're growing that um, and, and, and in a positive way, not just eating fiat, but like you're actually just growing new economies. And I think that that's an area if, if Bitcoin is to survive long term, that's what needs to happen. We need to get like basic commerce running in Bitcoin better than it has been. Um, it's still very early. So it's, you know, that, that'll happen inevitably, uh, I believe. But that's an area where it's just ripe for opportunity. Um, it's also in a way the trickiest because it's the area that's it's still so early. It's kind of hard to know like. You know where do i get involved in that what kind of business opportunities will exist under a bitcoin standard how will that work uh between now and a bitcoin standard what was what's going to be as the safest way to do this um those are all unanswered questions but i think that's where like the real innovation is going to lie whereas in mining it's less of this like you know awesome you know renaissance of technology and economics and instead it is literally just a race for consuming electricity and generating hash and getting more hash rate—that's <laughs> all it is, and all it ever will be. Um, I imagine some future there's just going to be giant nuclear-powered hashing, <laughs> and it's just going to be a crazy international game of uh, <laughs> of hash rate. And individual miners are still going to be out there doing it because you know why not? But it's 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 always going to look like that—just this race, just just competition for hash. Whereas the rest of Bitcoin is like. I don't know allocation of capital, like actual cool stuff, you know, things that you know, new jobs, uh, new industries, new markets, new economies. There's so many things we can kind of layer on top of Bitcoin because it is what it is, because it is the soundest money that's ever existed. Um, so I would hope the average sort of pleb, they want to get involved and want want to help, and not just tax sats that they're you know work their day job and stuff like that. The best place to get involved, I would say, is commerce
1: i guess yeah the commerce like help helping merchants get set up with their own uh btc pay server or something and and helping them just helping each new individual plug get orange pilled, get set up with their own self-custody wallet um that it, it's kind of like a spectrum where like each new one uh gets each new person gets value out of it whereas with the mining like you say it's it's zero sum and it's as far as bitcoin users and like the network as a whole is concerned it's kind of like a boolean right like either there's a 51 percent attack and there's censorship or like network unavailability or something for a period of time or there isn't yeah. right and if there isn't your transaction is going to go through anyway and you don't really need to know how, uh what's going on behind the scenes as as a standard user when it comes to mining
2: correct actually let me let me kind of touch on some areas like if there's anyone out there like who's, you know, learning about Bitcoin and they're like, do do want to get involved? Not just in mining as like, oh, I think I can make money at mining. There's some areas that I think. But let me say the risks. Let me just look at it that way. Um, right now, everyone's dependent on mining pools. Uh, I know we, we kind of talked about this before, but like. If you if you start going, kind of imagine we move forward, hash rate goes up and up and up. More people are you know playing this crazy mining game. The big mega mines and the small little off grid outlets and every you know just people finding new ways to tap into uh, you know energy. Uh, one way is rather than go find free energy, is to leverage energy you're already using for other things. Um, you know just heating your house, <laughs> you're already paying for it hey, maybe you can use Bitcoin miners to do that and consider it like a, you know, subsidy. Um, oftentimes the calculation doesn't work out as well as you want, but you'd be surprised. Um, even in places where you're paying a lot for electricity, if you've got, you know, crappy, you know, electric space heaters and that's the best you can do, well, shit, actually Bitcoin miners might actually be pretty good because the, the the amount you'll earn is is tiny, but it, it's subsidizing the heat. Um, so there is a bunch of stuff like that. I I, I think there's, there's some neat areas for kind of like technically inclined people to get involved in, but all of those, they all, everyone, even big minds, the small ones, they tend to just kind of naively point at pools and pools more and more getting consolidated, sort of monopolized. Um, they will go out of business. Um, and there's really no reason that's the case. Um, but in the last 10 years, especially as things went into like ASICs and mining kind of, I hate to say the word matured, because if you ever dig in and look at the full field, uh, it doesn't look very mature, and I suspect it never will. Um, but as it matured into this this thing that it is, um, mining pools became this this real important thing. Um, it's just a way to share risk, all this kind of stuff. But unfortunately, like even for groups, even some of those off-grid miners who are like, hey, we're only getting one or two blocks a month, but that's actually plenty. We can operate on that. They don't know how to properly solo mine. And it's actually the software out there to solo mine is basically just doesn't exist. I can't just like set up a full node and just solo mine, right? You end up needing what's called a stratum server. Um, you, you basically need all these little things. Like You know, I, I have to collect all my hash rates into the stratum server. My stratum server kind of proxies information between the miners themselves, the ASICs and the full node. The full node knows like, here's what the current mempool is. Here's the the latest transactions. Here's your block template. Um, But it's basically not really set up to work with all those miners that you might have. And even if you have a single miner, you might think, oh, I can just tell my single miner, just, you know, point to this one full node and you'll find the firmware just doesn't even have anything for that. They've abandoned that long ago just to be really efficient. Right. So it's evolved into requiring stratum. Um, and so you need a stratum server and that's actually hard to find and hard to run. And people who were maintaining stratum servers tended to abandon them just because it's, it's mining is kind of a shit show. And so an area that I think would be really useful. So if there's like talented software engineers out there who want to like get involved and please reach out to me, by the way, cause this is something I, I, I uh, am thinking about and it's like a time I want to like push into this. Um, but open, like nice open source tooling for solo mining, right? So whether that's a simple little like firmware hack you throw together for people who are solo mining and just wanna like talk to a full node. Like I think in an ideal world, if you've got some at-home miners, you know, powering your, you know, or sorry, uh, just, you know, heating your home or you're you're just, you know, playing around with mining, you should be able just to run a node, just any simple little Raspberry Pi kind of node, just your own, own node. And you should be able just to point your miners at that node and you should be good. You shouldn't need stratum servers and all this kind of stuff. But we are far from that. Um, and so I think there that that's an area that like we might there might be updates to uh, Bitcoin Core to help with this. Um, not to say it should speak stratum, but to say like maybe it's. Uh, uh, zmq zero mq interface could be you know uh, amended to like allow miners to talk and then we have a little stratum bridge or we just like remove stratum altogether for these scenarios um there's a lot of things like this in this sort of software space that are kind of not being handled well the mining pools tend to like suck up any talent at least they had been when we were in a bull market and everyone was just kind of fighting for more you know, a uh, business for their pool. But I think honestly, I'd be happy to see pools die. Uh, you know, like for people who really need to make that money, yes, you do need pooling, but I think pooling can be done separately. If you wanna start your own pool, it should be very easy. Um, but right now that's not the case. You know, running a pool is actually kind of hard. If you look at the small pools out there, like CK pool, or um, oh, what was that one? There was one that was hacked kind of, it was a small pool for like solo miners. And it was, it was hacked. I forget the name of it, if it whatever, if it comes to me, I'll, <laughs> I'll say, but, um, this was an area I think early on in Bitcoin's history, if you dig back through Bitcoin talk forums, you could see that there was this sort of like vibrant, like community there, but it, as, as mining kind of as Bitcoin kind of took off, um, that was sort of left behind. And so this, this, this is definitely an area for like software engineers who want to get involved um and you know don't know where to start like and you kind of are interested in mining um this this is where i would start like how to solo mine making solo mining easy for people because right now it's not um so everyone's dependent on pools
1: so when you when you talk about the engineering renaissance and mining would you say that there's just as much need for uh, like a software engineering renaissance as there is for Hardware, because I think generally when it comes to mining, people think more about the the hardware, the ASICs, the, the the rigs, yeah. the farms, right?
2: Yeah, and I, I definitely wouldn't call it a. a I want to say so-called engineering. Renaissance. Um, Sorry, I I, I I I want to say I want to say a so-called engineering renaissance. Oh. <laughs> I I I I I know the people who are saying that. I think it's awesome. Um, and yes, there's a lot of neat innovation happening in the space. I want to say like. It's actually so kind of ugly and hacky, that, like, I definitely don't want to call it a renaissance either for the hardware or a little bit for the energy like usage, like not wasting. So like our current electric grid, our current power grid has just massive amounts of waste, right? Like, uh, you know, the entirety of Bitcoin's energy consumption is, is far less. It's like 1% of, of the amount wasted, just, you know, power that was generated and never used. Um, so, so there's these inefficiencies in existing, uh, electric grids. Um, and so Bitcoin is in a really fascinating way, helping to solve that. So we get a better grid you get, you know, better, you know, uh, network security for Bitcoin, like win, win for everyone. I think that's awesome. So there, there's a Renaissance maybe in that space in, in terms of technology. Um, we could use one for software for mining, uh, for sure. I, I, I hope that happens. Because the way it is right now it's proprietary so all the pools they may have their own firmwares they may have their own software it's all proprietary uh which is in a way sad and horrible because like the entire point of bitcoin is open source um and so mining and mining pools took this other path and in some sense i think they did now it could be a temporary thing and i would love if this is the case that it's just like hey just right now it's proprietary because it's, it is and that that's why things seem kind of shitty but eventually like open source wins as it tends to you know uh operating systems uh were proprietary only until you know linux and you know bsd and these other ones um and those completely changed operating systems so you still have proprietary operating systems but you know not really unix ones that anyone really cares about you have open source ones and yes you can still pay and get support and you know all that kind of stuff i hope to see bitcoin mining software go down that path but i do kind of worry that like that that zero sum nature of the game keeps people making these sort of like shitty decisions on proprietary code. Like, you know, the guy running the mining pool. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, we're gonna go out of business. Let's give ourselves every advantage we can. So any little innovation we find, let's 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 not tell anyone about it. Let's not open source our code. And as a result, the code everywhere sucks. So it's hard to find good software other than small pockets where people have written their own and it's all proprietary. Um, and so that sucks. So I, I hope there's a renaissance in this mining software space. That would be amazing. Um, another area when you mentioned hardware, um, look, there's, there's, you know, two, there's MicroBT and there's Bitmain. uh, Intel, I don't know. They, they kind of are there. There's, they, they seem to be closing down or sometimes open it, It's hard to tell if Intel's gonna have a future there, but I hope they do. I pray they do, because look, what's really needed in hardware is uh, custom configurations. People go out of their way customizing the just the S19s and the LUTs miners and doing all sorts of crazy stuff with it. But what they're not doing is just building their own stuff. Same way, you know, video gamers or pretty much anyone builds their own like home to PCs, things like that. Hell, we mentioned data centers before. Pretty much every data center is built with custom configured uh, machines, right? You know, like maybe you need a bunch of RAID arrays. Maybe you need more. You're doing cool machine learning stuff, so you've got heavy you know compute resources. So you're building custom uh, compute, uh, computers for mining. No, you're buying an S 19, let's say, right. You're buying the, the, what's miner m 30 or whatever. Like you're, you're just buying these, these things and then you, you, you kind of customize around that configuration. Right. And to me, that kind of sucks. And if you dig into the way these things are set up, it's not that complicated. The, the innovation is in the ASIC itself in the actual chip, right? So there's, there's usually there's like say three boards, they're just packed full of these ASIC chips, the the, the ones that do the SHA-256. There's a little control board, and you know the best way I've ever heard it described is it's like a Raspberry Pi just with you know a rocket ship <laughs> strapped to it, and that that's your Bitcoin miner, and that's cool and all, but like what I would love to see is someone like Intel or other companies selling ASICs, and people just configuring them in different configurations and novel configurations, to to really like. The off-grid people, for example, would love this because they're constantly like trying to build custom solutions for whatever energy they, their generators can get, say from a flared source or from flared mining, right? And so, but they're they're sitting there on you know on uh, ant miners or whatever they've got, right? And so if the ant miner takes a two hundred and forty volts uh, plug, they're using a two hundred and forty volt plug. That's just what they have to do, and they have to like come up with solutions around that problem. But if they were just buying chips and could customize their own boards the same way you know gamers can customize PCs, they could build things specific for their site, specific for their, their own power needs, right? So they could actually clock it to be, make things super efficient and maybe not super high powered, but like as efficient as they can. Um, they could do really fancy curtailment because they'd have like custom uh, things. Right now, curtailment means, hey, I've got 10,000, uh um, miners or you know, 10,000 say s 19s and when it's time to turn them off i just turn the machines off if i'm going to curtail 50 percent, i turn 50 percent of my machines off um this sucks like this is just this is just the easiest way to do it and it's often the only way to do it it's actually really hard to kind of tinker with the firmware because both bitmain and uh, MicroBT like out of their way to try to lock you out of the of the firmware and so then you have to like get a new sd card and all this (laughs) and and i feel like the solution i would love to see is like just pure custom mining equipment being built um and that way you could get really custom things the mega mines would look a lot different than the off-grid things just completely different because they would have totally different like computers in there Uh, And then depending geographically on where you're at, if you're in some dusty part of West Texas, you're going to need a very different configuration uh, than someone up in Montana or someone up in Canada, right? Like you'd be able to build things for like kind of the heat and power needs uh, of your environment. And so that's the renaissance I would love to see. Um, I don't know what kicks that off, honestly, because right now it really looks like we're just kind of locked out of that for the time being. But until some manufacturer wants to really produce commodity chips and sort of open up things the way, you know, the way we do for regular PCs, um, it's going to stay this way. And we're kind of like, you know, beholden to the whims of Bitmain and, uh, and that's just how it is. And so, so that, that, that kind of keeps me from agreeing with any concept of an engineering renaissance. Like I want to see one though. So I hope to see an engineering renaissance. <laughs>
1: So do you see the, um, when it comes to proprietary and closed off manufacturing for hardware, but also, and and maybe for the designs as well of the hardware, um, but also the, like the open source software code problems where the pool code is often proprietary, but it should be open source. Like, Mm -hmm. do you see one of them needs to precede the other if we want this change to happen? Uh, do you start with oh, the yeah, no, these and... are, I would say
2: those two things you mentioned, I would say are orthogonal. Like they can both, you know, the hardware is, is, is an issue. Um, and it's actually kind of funny, like, even if, if, if they wanted to keep proprietary on the ASIC itself it would be fine if they just sold ASICs to, you know, they could plug into existing like USBs or different, you know, technology or different serial ports or whatever. Right. And instead, what, if you kind of do a diagnostic, try to reverse engineer one of these machines, Um, and even their software, when you do dig into their firmware, um, you know, they're all running Linux, uh, they're running, uh, slightly modified versions of, uh, CG minor, which has been abandoned for fucking years now. Um, like they, they, they steal pretty much everything. And so the one innovation in an S 19 is the ASIC itself, but there's nothing in there that's novel or interesting right? But the whole device itself, they kind of keep proprietary. They try to lock you out of the software, for example, the firmware itself, right? Um, And it's annoying. Um, And that holds back what I think would be a real engineering renaissance. It's like, look, you know, sell the chip. That would be cool. But, you know, they want to sell the whole device and that's just sort of how it is. It's a sort of Chinese business model. And I don't know, maybe maybe, uh, we'll see a different future there. Um, that issue though, completely separate from mining pools. Um, some some maybe not completely separate because i you know uh, Bitmain does run Amp pool, so, <laughs> so they're part of that problem too. And so you're competing if you're a mining pool, you're competing with Amp Pool. And, you know, they also make equipment and um, things like that. But generally those the the solution were are definitely orthogonal. If, if you know any any hardware manufacturers out there who know they can make uh, uh, ASICs, uh, that could compete with what Bitmain produces, uh, but could make them just commodity chips. Like that would be amazing, right? Like that, that, that would go a long way. Like just sell those on an open market that could be like plugged in anywhere. Like you could make a tiny low power version of a miner. Um, there you go. If that was done, um, or if even if the other one was done, uh, they would kind of benefit each other, obviously. So if someone's working out open source software to like, you know, make it really easy to mine, hey you run a full node here here's one little like plug and you add to your full node or here's one little plug and you 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 add onto a miner uh and you just point your 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 miner that, to the full node and you're done so you just need a full node and a miner if we get to that point like yeah and i think solving one half of that equation and the other it'll put pressure on the other one and they'll they'll definitely benefit each other i hope in the near future to see that um these are these are both things that like as i learned about mining i was uh, you know <laughs> sad i'll just say you know as a person that was you know new to bitcoin in 2020 and you know i'm learning fast and then by the time i'm learning about mining i'm, I'm super optimistic about all things bitcoin and then i get into mining and then my like My optimism about Bitcoin itself starts going down because I'm like, oh man, this is a complete shit show. But people who had been in the space longer have seen why it is the way it is and kind of been through the ups and downs and have seen, you know, much worse. (laughs) Oh shit, Bitcoin's dead. And, you know, much worse things than than we've seen since 2020 even. Um, So I think that the real rough patches of Bitcoin's history are probably behind us, you know. Um, So I'm still, I'm still fairly, I'm still very optimistic. It's just, it could be so much better, and especially in mining, it could be so much better. And I'm sure it will be. I just like don't know when and how the right way to push on that. Um, but those are areas like right now, if anyone did succeed in that, would you, oh my God, like, one ton of money to be made if you managed to pull that off, but also you know, you'd be making the world a better place. Uh, in the spirit of uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, you'd be doing it for humanity itself. Um, so I'd say there's some really cool opportunities in there. So I, w- I would, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to dissuade people from mining, but if uh, those are areas like if you want to get involved and make a difference, that that's where I would recommend. If you just want to play the mining game and see how well you can mine, it's a shit show, and it's hyper competitive. And uh, if you like that kind of thing, do it. It's, it's super fun. But if, if you get stressed out easily uh, and you actually want a you know, stable source of income, uh, don't do it. It's, <laughs> even if you're already fully on a Bitcoin standard and you're, you know stats is your standard and you just measure all your wealth in stats, uh, mining is still a complete shit show. <laughs> it'll scare the shit out of you. It should. Um, and in the future, it'll always be that way. I think there's a side of Bitcoin and, it'll, and uh, uh, mining. I mean, it will always kind of feel that way.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And uh, would you if these kinds of developments happened, like all of these uh, both on the side of the uh, hardware components and customizability Mm -hmm. there, but also in like solving what you're identifying as problems with the mining mining pools, Mm -hmm. uh, would you change your tune on like the idea of small miners? And like discouraging people from mining in general, do you think that would cha- that would change that entire landscape where it does become a good idea for people to mine?
2: Oh, I guess I want always. I guess I always want to discourage it. Only up to this point. Um, if you're like you're you're on a tight budget and you're thinking, oh man, I'm gonna like do a small investment. I'm gonna do some mining, and not only will it pay for itself, that'll make me a little bit of more money, and that's that's a good thing. Um, no, it's inherently risky. It may or may not pay for itself. And you definitely will lose money in the long run. It's like going into a casino, honestly. Like, so if you're really good, it's going into a casino where they're not going to kick you out if you know how to count cards. Let me add that. Right. So there's still like, you can make money at this, but like, I wouldn't recommend gambling and card counting to just average people. Right. And that's honestly how I look at it um because most people who are just you know you're just trying to get by in life and you're looking for a you know passive source of income and mining might look like a nice passive source of income but i, I would dissuade anyone of that so the reason I, the, the just the core fundamentals of the economics of mining i would almost always recommend people like just the average person like get involved in mining because you're fascinated by it get involved because you really want to learn about bitcoin get involved because you think you can help uh and do something cool because it, it excites you but if you're looking for a passive source of income, uh, stay away from mining. And if you're looking for a passive source of income and you're trying to justify it yourself also, like, oh, I wanna help out the Bitcoin network, like, no, 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 trust me, the Bitcoin network's gonna be fine. Because <laughs> I, I see people do that. They like kind of like lost money in mining or they were trying to get involved just as like passive income or something like that. And I'm like, they, they just get wrecked. And they always will. And so I, I would actually just dissuade people from that like it it it's it's the same way you wouldn't recommend people to get into like you know day trading and like you know like even under a Bitcoin standard, there's going to be you know financial markets and craziness. and a certain type of like you know nutty sociopathic type <laughs> banker, a uh, uh, hedge fund kind of kind of guy uh, wants to wants to play that game. Uh, Bitcoin Bitcoin minings kind of like that. You know the average like you know retired school teacher, like, no, don't get involved in Bitcoin mining. <laughs> do it only if you're really like fascinated by it, like which is are saying
1: and i wonder how much of the uh like the comments about how oh I, i'm doing it to help the network after someone gets wrecked is a post hoc rationalization right
2: i think so yeah yeah i think a lot of people like kind of like oh uh or, or even like while they're doing it they realize Oh, I got involved in mining. I put a bunch of money down. I got this miner. It's it's earning me, you know, uh, through the pool, 10 cents a day. Fantastic. Oh, shit. For the amount of time and effort I spent setting up this mining, I could have done just a job at McDonald's, a uh, you know, part-time job. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing. It's a lot of work to, to, to figure out mining. Um, pretty much any other source of income today, or even, whether we're in a Bitcoin standard or not, is going to earn you more. Just honest days work is going to earn you more than you'll probably get. From bitcoin mining and that's in the short term why you're making money long term you probably won't be making money right like it, yeah it this is, is why I would, is that
1: I would tie it back to that point about how like people think that they're being more productive just because they're being busy even if they're losing a ton of money
0: as yeah, they, yeah. like
1: compared yeah. compared to if they just sat on their Sats and did nothing and that's something Correct. that's very hard for Correct. many bitcoiners to do is to just hold your bitcoin in cold storage and don't do anything but that's yeah. often the best strategy for most people
2: Correct. I think I think that will change. I think right now we're we are still so early that look, most Bitcoiners are kind of like early internet. We talked about that before. Like you know, they're they're crazy libertarian types. Uh, they're 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 people that learned how the financial system works. You know, they read *Creature from Jekyll Island*. Let's say like they, they they've gotten a glimpse of like how fucked up things are. Um, and so it's 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 not just your average you know normy type person out there that's just you know trying to get by. But Bitcoin does still track some of those people, right? And they are just trying to get by. And for most of them, your average person uh, out there, like they'll have no problem with the idea of just saving money for the future. Like that is just the most intuitive thing ever if you really think about it. Um, I think there's there's some brain damage we've all suffered from living from, you know, like <laughs> I was born under fiat, like every most people with the exception of some 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 very older folks uh we're you know most of us are born under fiat and our entire you know livelihoods have been in fiat and we've complained about it and we never often didn't know what we were exactly we're complaining about um so we're we're all suffering a, a certain amount of like brain damage and you know hurting uh time preference issues i'll call them um i it's so intuitive and natural though when you're getting onto like a Bitcoin standard. And and hence, you know, so many Bitcoiners sort of experience that, that elation almost of like, oh, wow, this thing's amazing. This really turns my life around. And it's like, yeah, because you're thinking about the future and you're saving for the future. And now you're thinking about kids, of course. Um, but in a way that's just sort of the natural state of things. It's how things are supposed to be, right? We've been sort of living with this sort of like poisonous cultural thing that cannot sustain. We're watching it not sustain. Um, <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I feel like some of these problems will sort of solve themselves uh, as Bitcoin gets more mature, as it takes up a larger market share, people will just start holding it very naturally, you know, the way people just save for the future. I think that'll happen very easily. Um, and in that case, you know, mining will be its own little world. Um, and, yeah, I think that some of the the kind of warnings, on, I'm trying to put them in a sort of timeless way. Uh, so even if we've solved the you know what I was if if that engineering renaissance happens and everything's awesome the way I would love to see you know the pools are kind of like there but they're so distributed it doesn't matter or so decentralized it doesn't matter and then solo mining gets really popular and there's a you know cool custom ASICs everywhere and you know two three four five different big manufacturers you know competing under like the best ASIC and everyone's creating their own custom machines and doing crazy you know mining experiments and all that even if all that stuff is happening. Um, I would hope my warning about like dissuading people from getting into mining um, or at least encouraging the right kind of people, I hope that that's still true in the future.
1: Yeah, well, uh, speaking about saving for the future, uh, one of the the things that we wanted to talk about was self-custody and cold storage. Yeah, Um, yeah. So let's start off with, um, because you have a little bit of familiarity with industrial grade custody. Yeah, yeah. so this we would call be like it institutional. institutional
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and actually let me give a little disclaimer on that, like, you know, like like any good Bitcoiner who I always tell people, you know, self custody, self custody. Um, and I don't know, I've, I've kind of gone through, like when early on, I was like, ah, you know, not every, it's not for everybody. Um, these days though, I'm like, as I'm looking at what it means to custody fiat through banks, and if anyone has, you know, elderly people in your in your life that and you've seen them try to, like, deal with modern banking, you know how difficult this is. So I do think, look, self-custody is for everyone. Yes, everyone should learn about self-custody. It is it is a universal thing. Even that being said, uh, there are still companies. There is uh, insurance companies, for example. There is a need for what we would call institutional custody. Right. So I don't mean in the sense of like, oh, it's too hard for grandma, I think. No, 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 no. Uh, what's too hard for grandma right now is modern fiat. Uh, trying to explain the current situation happening in the world today with uh, the, the bank runs, you know, explaining to grandma the money in her bank is not safe. Like, sorry, that's a more complex system than anything in Bitcoin self-custody. And I don't want to trivialize it, too, because uh, custody is it's easy for a lot of Bitcoiners to kind of trivialize and be like, hey, it's just 12 words, you know, what's so hard about that? Um, it's like, no, 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 it's, it's 12 words that only you and who and your loved ones know and no one else can ever know. And I'm sorry, that, that is actually a, a really fascinating and difficult challenge, right? Building tools around that concept of having true private keys, private information. Um, and so, and so I, I think custody is necessarily difficult. Um, but it's also super empowering, so I think everyone should should get involved. I think everyone should self custody, um, but yes, there, there's a definite need for institutional custody, um, and so I've I've worked in 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 some of those spaces a little bit. And what was so fascinating, I would say, is when I first got into, to, to Bitcoin, and that was like the first thing you do, obviously like, okay, okay, I'll buy a hardware wallet to get a cold card or whatever, you know, and you start learning about it. You start doing some, you know, Electrum or, you know, I'm using Sparrow these days because I really like it, but, uh, you know, you start kind of playing around and then you, you, you develop your own sort of neat little custody thing. Um, and I, I went deep into that and really started researching all of the, I don't know, hardware vulnerabilities, things I'd never really looked at before, right? And like right away, I was like, oh shit, my 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 early experiments with, uh, you know, building self-custody were like failures because I'm like, oh man, I'm using a, I reused my, my wireless uh, keyboard when I was typing a uh, passphrase for this thing here. And then I realized wireless keyboards are actually not secure at all. Some of them are, the Bluetooth ones are. Uh, but many of them are just like, you know, Broadcasting out your keystrokes. I was like, oh fuck. But what are the chance my neighbors are listening to my keystrokes? But who cares? I'm so paranoid. I'm, I'm still gonna like find some solution here to this anyway. Um, and I and I and I really went deep into that and found like the most secure things I could find hardware-wise, the simplest basic hardware. Um, like you know, you get yourself so paranoid sometimes, like you don't even trust cold card. What do you what do you do? Like, you know, I I I trust the intention behind cold card, but how do I know there wasn't a supply chain? Like, yeah, they have the tamper-free bag, but if you get yourself that that paranoid, you'll 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 kind of narrow in on your your some custom hardware and some some really fun, neat little things. But what really what surprised me is that as I, I saw how the big companies are doing institutional custody, is it's all the same concepts, custom hardware, like all the, all the same things you would learn just as a pleb doing it yourself. Um, but they do it just at like a I don't know higher level military grade level I'll say but it was really neat just to see like the you know my version of a you know of uh, uh, signing keys and all that was just you know me and hiding somewhere and you know plugging in a raspberry uh, pi 0 and loading up some software and you know signing a thing and doing you know going somewhere else to sign another one in a multi six setup and all that the institutional versions of that do the same things but they just do it in ended this really fun almost like i don't know like i'm going to say military style like uh, you know securing nuclear launch codes but you know (laughs) you have to go to the special room where like you know there's guards there that make sure you have no phone no electronics on you then you go in and you could bring a piece of paper that has the you know the qr code that's signed and you go scan it and then it prints out a new piece of paper with the qr code of the signed transaction you walk that out and you scan it like similar basically the entire process is universal it's the same everywhere um and it's it's sort of fascinating because i feel like this has never been usable uh public key handling or uh, uh public key uh cryptography and managing private keys it's never been usable and what, what keeps happening is people just want to like hey use username and password they just want to do something simple and have it work So most things, they kind of hide the public key cryptography. GPG never really caught on for emails. Everyone just switched to Gmail, it seems like, in the world. Um, But I think with Bitcoin and the self-custody, what we're seeing happen is more and more people learning about public key cryptography, more and more people learning how to secure private keys um and i think that that's going to continue and i think future generations who just sort of grow up with this like understand that like bitcoin is money and you secure it through private keys are just going to intuit this stuff naturally they're going to think we're just like crazy old you know grandpas here that didn't understand how to like secure their money because to them this will seem intuitive to us it's not um we're so sort of brain dead from fiat we think that you know Talking to a random like call center operator in the Philippines, telling them our mother's maiden name is somehow uh, a normal thing and that's total that's that's secure. Um But anyway, um what is there is there like some kind of specific questions we should go into or like discussion points on this? I could kind of just like go on and on about custody because this is a a cool thing to talk about. But um yeah, well, wonder, we'll just, what are we'll just, some we'll just... areas you want to go into?
1: what's really interesting to me is like i I know what you're i can see what you're saying about how the like a lot of the principles are going to remain the same whether it's diy at home Mm -hmm. with a raspberry pi zero or something or or at some like large institution that's managing thousands of bitcoins um but they're like so you mentioned one that's a clear difference where like they'll literally have armed guards at the door and they'll like (laughs) put you through a it's it's like crossing the tsa or something and they're going to check all your electronics um, no, that's, no, that's hey, as, as far as I know. Let, I don't know
2: anyone who does yeah. that at home. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to. I want to stop on TSA because TSA is you know pure theater. Um, I had. I, I never had this experience myself, but uh, in, in my crazy background of different jobs and, and, and places I've worked. Um, I worked with a guy, it's just a software engineering job, but he had wor- he was a, a physicist by training and he had worked at, you know, whatever these stupid nuclear research labs and stuff like that, um, you know, a, a contractor, he was never in the military, but they, you know, they hire physicists to go do their, you know, for d- nuclear research and stuff like that. But he, he kind of told me the story of like, when you have to go into the room with the plutonium, like how it works, <laughs> it was so like almost out of a movie like those 1980s cold war style movies but basically the way it would work is like he describes this situation where he you know they the guards are there they let him in the room but like there's guards pointing guns at you like outside the room so they have like little like you know turret holes kind of like and while you're doing your experiment they're they're locked and loaded with like rifles pointed at you you make one wrong move do something stupid that you're that's out of the you know you gave them a written list uh, description of what you were going to do if you do something slightly different they're they're ordered and trained to shoot you (laughs) and i was like holy shit he's telling me this and i'm like okay that's fucked up um but i i want to call attention to that because there's that kind of security where people go, go real crazy about it and then there's like tsa like security theater And an interesting observation i've had is uh under a fiat world we have gotten really used to security theater like anyone with a job at a big enough company has a security department and everyone knows it's a joke like they don't actually secure anything they're there to go through the theater of it just extra jobs and extra nonsense and extra bureaucracy and the tsa is the greatest example of that um it's 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 all theater um, But what's so fascinating about Bitcoin and institutional custody is in this fiat world where there's all this theater, I mean, look at all the bullshit theater, security theater for securing your bank account, right? Like the, the I was joking about it, but like, yeah, calling someone in some call center and they're asking you your mother's maiden name and whatever other bullshit, like, this is all theater very clearly. Um, every time one of them, like, uh, or some, like, pass one of those, like, uh, what are those things to those password Manager apps, and they're like, oh, here, here's your recovery code. Write down this recovery code. Put it in a fireproof vault and do this, do this. It's all theater. Um, so in this fiat world where we're so accustomed to just security theater, what's neat in the institutional custody space is real security. And you're reminded what, you know, the, like the protocols people follow. Like they 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 get real military type people and they get people who have been in war zones and they kind of lay out like actual security. Why? Because they have to. Because if someone gets in and someone just brings a camera and it's like takes a picture or, you know, finds private keys, and, you know, exfiltrates the, the private keys, like, sorry, your fortune's gone. So that there's suddenly this like real paranoia and then people start learning about real security. And so it's it's funny to see that it's like here's this one small example of Bitcoin just sort of actively fixing something in this case the comical security theater of modern you know corporate security teams TSA et cetera et cetera et cetera uh, Bitcoin most institutional custody uh, that I've seen. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of shit-coinery, weird places that I would never work that do stupid shit. I'm sure that that's a common problem. So, But what I have seen is institutional custody with really impressive systems. Really good multi-sig setups. Really good, like physical security. That, like, oh shit, yeah, I can't get past that. (laughs) They've really thought about this. Um, And even if I did, like, oh, I'm not getting the the private keys. It's a tamper-proof box. That if I so much as shake it, the thing like explodes or just deletes all the data. You know, like not exposed to hurting one, but just fries the drive and like the the keys are gone. Um, And they keep a backup in a different site. It's multi-sig and blah 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 blah. Like they've really like thought about this at a at a really deep level. And I think it's freaking awesome. And all of them, the, the fun thing about custody is as any pleb knows, like you quickly run into this is why I love Bitcoin so much. You quickly realize you have the ability to like make yourself like the biggest biggest risk, because it's easy to secure it at a higher level than oh shit, now I'm probably gonna lose it because I've now secured it so much. <laughs> my biggest risk is just me losing access to my keys right and so the institutional uh the you know the big the big players out there you know uh with you know tens of thousands of bitcoin in institutional custody are also in that same situation so they have all this, all sorts of weird little backup plans and it's this constant balance they have to find um it's, it's it's i will say really fascinating um overall
1: and one more thing on the uh like yeah the guys with the guns that's that's definitely one really interesting element to it um one other thing that i think some people bring up sometimes is um when it comes to physical security of your private keys uh or or if your like uh transmissions is Faraday cages um oh, yeah, yeah. do you know if that's yeah. is that being used uh when it comes to this so, military grade
2: self custody That that is such an interesting one because like so even in my own uh self custody I I started digging into that, like, well, shit, maybe I can make a Faraday cage, like for my like generation. So while you're generating your keys, like, or like at least typing in, even if you do it, by the way, so even if you do it with dice, uh, which I recommend definitely do it with dice, um, you still need a computer to get the checksum, And obviously you're gonna need to put this information in a computer every time you need to like sign a transaction, right? So, so there's gonna be a computer, it's gonna have access to your private keys. Anytime that happens, like the idea of a Faraday cage to sort of like really like, yes, this thing's air capped. Yes, there's no wireless. Like the reason I like a Raspberry Pi Zero is because it was such a dumb, simple device. It had just enough like power to like run the basic software I needed. um, And there's no Bluetooth Wi-Fi. Like there's nothing. There's no networking. But I was still like, maybe I could put this in a Faraday cage. This would be awesome. So I started some like sort of do-it-yourself at home experiments with it. And... And then since I was also playing around with, like, you know, Halo, the wireless keyboard fiasco I ran into of, oh, shit, I can, like, read my neighbor's keystrokes on certain wireless keyboards, um, I use that as an, as an experiment. It's like, I want to make sure my keyboard in a little do-it-yourself home Faraday cage, I can't detect the keystrokes. And as I'm playing around with it, like, it's actually kind of hard, right? Like, I'm like, oh, shit, you need even... Be- test this with like a, a little home radio or something like that I should be able to uh, put a radio in there and really just lose all signal um and the truth is like doing a Faraday cage right is expensive like the materials you'll need it, it's actually quite difficult um and I was like ah shit okay so I'm, I'm just you know just some guy at home just like fucking around like I don't have serious money to invest into like a giant Faraday cage and pretty sure my wife would like be pretty upset with me building that in the house uh um, so i'm like okay i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna not do that and find some other like novel approaches to you know i've talked to friends that like did once work at the nsa and their advice was always really funny like stay out of the if there's if there's any device in the room or in a nearby room that has a microphone or a speaker on it just just, just, just stay away from that uh, so just go somewhere where there's no other computers and, and then do your thing um i would recommend that by the way for for any Clubs who already have like crazy, paranoid uh, security uh, have a a, a protocol you follow. And you'll see this in the institutional things too. They follow really strict protocols. Um, You know, like step one, do this, and check this, check this. It's just a checklist, very simple. Everything is just a simple protocol. You just follow stepwise. And part of them is always put yourself in a secure location before you even access the device that's gonna do the signing. So when you do your signing ceremony, you go somewhere that's removed from any potential like cameras, obviously, but even just other equipment. So don't just like, oh, leave your phone nearby or even a little Faraday bag. Like, no, 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 turn it off, put it in a Faraday bag, put it in the other room, other side of the house. Like if you have a basement with no electronics, even better. Uh, Just go somewhere without, you know, electronics around you is what I would say. Um, But anyway, uh, sorry, that was getting getting back to the Faraday cage uh, that you asked about a lot of i i learned uh when i started working with places that, that that have institutional custody that was my my first question is like hey did you guys look into uh doing like a faraday cage or something and the answer was so interesting they're like we did and it was just way too expensive for for our needs <laughs> because at that level they would need a giant you know <laughs> uh you know room that's the entire thing is a faraday cage and apparently it's possible it's just like it's it's super difficult and it's easy to circumvent if someone really knows what they're doing. Um, and it's just basically, in most places I've seen, uh, it's just not worth it. So if anyone's got like a cool working example where they kind of either did it do it yourself at home or some institutional one, please like hit me up, find me on uh, Noster or something and <laughs> tell me because I, I would be really fascinated. I've not seen institutional or at home uh, effective uh, Faraday c- uh, cages. I just sort of see p- people kind of play with them. But when it comes to, like, this is where the security theater uh, kind of gets brushed aside. Like, it, I wonder if a lot of the Faraday cages are security theater, because to make it really work, it's just such a giant investment. And there's so many other simpler, uh, more effective ways to do the same level of security for what you're actually trying to do. All you're really trying to do is guarantee an air gap. You're guaranteeing the equipment you've got is not communicating wirelessly uh, uh, with any other device, right? That, that, that's the only goal there. And so the fairy cage, that that's why you would want it. But there's so many other ways to do it that are more cost effective, even for the institutional players.
1: Wow, yeah, that's that's really interesting uh, that um, <clears throat> even for for some large institutions, they even just view it as so expensive that even if it could add some kind of incremental security, it's not worth it.
2: Correct, well, you could I say, guess, um... spend that same money on something else and hire more guards or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah well, I guess the next the next point to move on to now is uh so that covers physical security and but now you could have really good physical security, like keeping eyes and ears and listening devices away from your signing devices and your seed phrase, but yeah. at the end of the day, if you're using hardware and or software that is like corrupted and it's going to be. Yes well so like one example would be like if you're using a wallet software that just has preset seed phrases that it's going to generate they're controlled by other people. that that would be one example but there's a lot of different kinds of attacks like that so maybe let's get into the whole hardware and software discussion
2: yeah 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 um actually and that that, that's actually a good point like why why i was recommending dice rolled entropy like entropy is 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 extremely difficult uh, for those who are not computer scientists um true entropy is actually really really hard um uh computers don't do it very well um and so there's all sorts of fun algorithms but often all they are is sort of pseudo random uh, sequences that will look like totally random but if you know what generated it like right you 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 will be able to generate that sequence and figure out someone's private keys um i've i've often suspected that like if anyone was to i think did we talk about this before like how i think someone could get satoshi's Um, (laughs) keys like the best way to do it wouldn't be some awesome quantum computer uh, you know breaking elliptic curve cryptography the best way would be to like figure out here Satoshi in the year 2008 probably used this model laptop of one of one of these ten models of laptop Uh, they all ran this kind of software he was running probably this operating system Uh, here's the pseudo random number generators that he probably used since he was using generating keys with this library we would kind of narrow that down you would then bre- you'd then basically remove a lot of the entropy and in this case entropy i'm just referring to like the amount of like unknown like a, you know trying to guess a 256 bit number is impossible you know you'll spend eternity and still never do it right you know you're all the way to the heat death of the universe and you, you're, you're not cracking that but I would suspect if you knew the actual like random number generator that was used on those laptops back then when they, security was less of an issue, um, it might reduce the entropy not to too, like from 256 uh, bits down to maybe like 40, right? Like in the range of like possible to brute force, right? Because what, what a lot of them did, uh, for, for people who don't know, like the, pseudo, the, the random number generators, they would just take the current timestamp, uh, like multiply it by itself. So you just, you know, raise it to the power of two and then you just take the middle, like 32 bits just something that simple right it's an easy way to just get a random number um there's all sorts of little little things like that some of them would take the cpu temperature or things like that they would just take whatever source that seems somewhat random and then just do some math on it and then just generate sequences from that um and that's how most uh you know computer random number generators work um but it, so if you know the source and you kind of narrow in on like, well, here's the time frames he wind of run it, and here's this CPU range, or the CPU temperature ranges, you could theoretically like limit the amount of entropy. So rather than trying to brute force 256 bits, which is yeah, 2 to the 256, which is impossible, uh, 2 to the 40, totally possible. Um, and I, I always wonder if someone's going to be able to crack Satoshi's keys that way. I've <laughs> been <laughs> in the back of my mind for a while now.
1: So is this entropy problem where like what's supposed to be giving you 256 bits of randomness is really giving you some some very small subset of that is that something right. that has improved over time since since
2: Satoshi would have set up his keys? Oh, definitely, definitely. Like because I mean because security. So like the, the most random number generators are, you know, they were made just to give random sequences, not for cryptographic security. Right? These days, like for login, for for a variety of things, we actually need cryptographic security. So most uh, computers have like a, a, a RNG, a random number generator built in, right? And they use all sorts of fun, high entropy type of things, right? Have the speaker pick up some fan noise, take the CPU temperature to take this, multiply them all together and take the middle bits and do this kind of stuff. Um, you end up with, you know something that is it's hard to guarantee 256 bits with a computer even when you're doing that because maybe like and this is it's a whole field of study like if you if you break it down like maybe the way i did the math even though i'm just taking you know yeah fan information and cpu temperature maybe i'm 130 bits of entropy you know maybe i didn't get you know i, I kind of narrowed down it wasn't truly 256 bits but if you just think about it, like the easiest way, uh, if you really want to guarantee two hundred fifty six bits, uh, dice or literally just a coin, flip a coin two hundred fifty six times, right? As long as it's a fair coin and you know it's not like loaded or you know weighted oddly, um, you're going to get two hundred fifty six bits of entropy. Like that's all that's really needed. But for a computer to do that, it's actually kind of difficult. So they they come up with sort of like fun novel things. Uh, I mean, there's a famous story. Um, is it Cloudflare? They had a wall of uh, lava lamps with little cameras on it, and they would record the movement and the color of the lava at any given time and use that as a seed into the random number generator. Um, And it's funny, but it's also like, no, no, if you you need cryptographic security and you need your random number generator to be part of a cryptographic secure solution, then you need something like that. You need true entropy, and true entropy is actually very difficult for computers.
1: Yeah, to me, I mean, the coin flip makes the most sense i mean you have to worry about loaded dice even if, if you get
2: if you get dice But I, I, put, yeah, just a I put some information about the dice uh on um on that website uh is bitcoin true if anyone's interested but fun fun little thing i recommend dice uh if if, if anyone's kind of new to this or interested like i recommend an eight-sided dice just because eight is a uh, you know, two to the, two to the third power so it's just you get you know get, get your uh three three bits per roll of an eight-sided dice. If you do a regular six-sided dice, uh, it's like entropy of two and a half bits. It's a little confusing to like <laughs> work out the, the math on it. It's just it's a, more intuitive I find with an eight-sided dice. But anyway, um, people make a big fuss oftentimes. you'll see in security threads and forums about like getting you know how do you know it's uh, uh, a fair dice? And so they say, oh, you got to get casino grade dice. And I always thought that was bullshit because, like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, casino grade dice? Like, okay, like there's there's no such thing as, like, a casino governing authority that guarantees like grading of, like, that's not a thing. And if you tell me it's a thing, I don't trust you and I'm a Bitcoiner and I shouldn't trust you. (laughs) I want to verify this. So how do you verify this? Turns out verifying dice is super simple. Um... Take a cup of water, dump a massive amount of salt in it, stir the, so much salt in there that it will stop dissolving, drop your dice in, and you will see if it's weighted or not. It's so obvious because uh, a dice uh, floating in salt water will just sort of go up one side and favor that side, really obviously. It's called the salt water test. Really easy to do. Anyone can do this. You can take any dice you want. Uh, don't have to go pay a bunch extra for casino grade dice, please. Just do a salt water test. If you are paranoid enough, then you want to like make sure you've got. <laughs> a good entropy i recommend the the our 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 nerd cohort friends over in you know role-playing game land uh have eight-sided dice for sale buy a bunch of those uh do a saltwater test get your dice that you know you can trust and there you go you can roll 256 bits of entropy very quickly and very easily
1: yeah and this is one of those things that just gives you additive security right so it's not like there's no harm done if you wanted to do both the dice and the coin flip
2: right just, just oh yeah I know it oh yeah yeah no so coin flip awesome recommend that the only my only uh reservation about coin flips is like 256 is a lot of coin flips and if you do multi-sig, uh, oh, man, you know, you want to do a <laughs> three, you, even at just a two out of three, like, oh, shit, I got to do 250 fucking coin 256 times. Oh, no, I got to do it three more times. <laughs> it's just a lot. And, and I found when I was doing multi-sig craziness, uh, an eight-sided dice was just like, hey, this goes faster. Every Every roll of an eight-sided dice is three bits. And so you just buy like 10 of them and you just throw them down and... You know, come up again. Come up with a protocol and how you want to read them. You know, top down, left right kind of thing, and then you're good.
1: Yeah, I guess it's one of those things where your level of paranoia and how much work and like mental effort you want to put into your setup just depends on how much you're securing. Like if it's your life savings and it's more than you could ever make in your entire life through labor, it's probably worth
2: putting. The time, the time alone on this gets 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 really high. Um, for those of us who are just like crazy people who are like get obsessed about stuff and just like learning this is easy even if I didn't you know I didn't have much Bitcoin at all I was just sort of like having fun doing this and it was just uh, almost a game for me to like can I come up with something that I know no one will ever figure out <laughs> um, and that got me reading about like you know like I said the hardware exploits but I also read at that same time I read deeper into like the um, NSA uh, kind of tools uh, some of the, the Edward Snowden leaks you know, I was aware of those before, um, but I had never really dug into like the technical side of it. And it is, on some levels, like really impressive. Like, wow, the NSA. Like, for you know, most of the government agencies are just dumb and bureaucratic and doing stupid shit. But like some of the stuff the NSA, I don't know if they're still doing it. I imagine they are. Uh, is really impressive it's surprisingly sophisticated the kind of like cool stuff they could do Um, but it was also terrifying so I'm like oh my god now I don't trust any piece of hardware (laughs) at all (laughs) and the moment you start thinking that way of like oh I don't trust my hardware Jesus how do I do this how do I secure this you know like (laughs) how do I like so I really cared about the entropy. I really cared about making sure I could plug the private, you know, plug that uh, that the, that private key that I that I generated, the seat phrase, I should say. You generate a seed phrase, and the seat phrase then derives your keys. How to do all that became really interesting to me, and you get just super paranoid about everything. Um, so so I sometimes like I think of custody and like, uh, and I, I put this on the website, and I'm still trying to build this out, but like start with very basic stuff like you don't have to be a crazy person you don't have to spend much time just to like just have the computer to it it's probably fine especially if you're just like learning about this stuff start simple get some bitcoin you know like just start as easy as possible don't don't get too uh, you know dissuaded by uh, crazy uh, bitcoiners like myself uh start simple but then you build up and I, I think of it in terms of levels of like do you what yeah you've got a lot of money so yes you need to invest in more but then there's also like, are you worried about the collapse of a nation state that you live in? Are you worried about NSA level threats? So the nation state didn't collapse, or if they did the NSA version in whatever country you live in, became a rogue agency and is after your Bitcoin. Depending on how, how paranoid you wanna be, right? And obviously at those high levels, very few people probably need to do that or even should. Cause at, at that point it's, I would argue, it's probably more fun. There's a, a bit of theater to it but it is still real security, right? Like it's nice knowing like I do not have much bitcoin, but man, I am somewhat impervious to even NSA level threats. That's awesome. The easiest way for me to lose my bitcoin is me actually losing it cuz I made a complex system. That's that's cool. Um or if someone, you know, comes and gets me and, you know, kidnaps someone. Okay, shit, take my bitcoin. I don't give a shit. Um that's fine but no one's going to take my Bitcoin just because like you know it's sitting on my server and they just hacked into my server like I like not knowing that like I like knowing that I mean I like that that, that's it's a cool thing you can do in Bitcoin you can give yourself an insane level of security um just to yeah so it's a nice thing so
1: to get this level of security what would you recommend when it comes to hardware because I'm guessing you're not recommending people just set up a wallet on their iPhone or their MacBook Pro or something.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely do that. Um, try to find, uh, it, it's funny, so for, custod- for for custody here, you need the simplest device you can um, find. Um, if you start reading into those, those previously mentioned uh, NSA level exploits, um, the the summary of it is the NSA really targeted hardware exploits almost exclusively. Um, other, other other groups, you know, Russia sort of famously and China sort of famously really invest a lot into like software hacking and network hacking and, you know, breaking into people's firewalls and installing viruses and stuff like that. The NSA really like went after hardware. like, And, and why did they do that? They lost the, the, the battle with, uh, you know, public key cryptography way back in the day. They wanted to keep that as like their tool no one could have. Right. It became a thing for the world to have. Um, And they considered this, like, what do they call it, you know, as as important as, you know, nuclear secrets. Having lost that, then how do you go in and infiltrate everyone's data? How do you get access to everyone's data if there's these cryptographic walls everywhere that you just simply cannot get through? And what you do is go through the hardware because then you just bypass everything right like you can have the most awesome cryptographic wall in the world but if i have access to your hardware i don't give a shit if i've got your key because i i literally watched or you recorded you type it um i mean they've got they've got stuff out there where they can like literally remotely power on surveillance chips installed on consumer electronics like it's it's downright frightening like the level of sophistication they can do at the hardware level so that in mind you're trying to like prevent or you're trying to like get secure hardware Uh, The name of the game is simpler, the better, the dumber, simpler, slower, shitty device you can find that's going to just, you know, do the calculation it needs to, to like, okay, I've got my seed phrase, I need to, you know, rolled my dice, got my seed phrase, need to generate the checksum. it needs to be able to record a transaction, an unsigned transaction, Uh, it needs to sign that transaction, it needs to generate, say, a QR code or some version of, you know, transmitting that back through an air grab right? There's a, only a handful of things you're, you you need a computer to do. And so you minimize that and you realize this is just a really dumb kind of simple device calculator. Um, so of the hardware wallets, I actually like don't really like most of them. The the exception is cold card. Like if, if you dig into how cold card is set up, you dig into the, the, everything about it, it's like they really know their shit. They did the right thing. Um, you know, they're not thrown in fucking shitcoin libraries and doing other nonsense uh most other hardware man, uh, hardware wallets tend to like hey look we use the secure element we did this we did this it's so awesome and i'm like yeah if i have to plug this thing into a, a device i don't trust i don't trust this thing i'm sorry um and so why i like cold card is like you can do that but no you, you don't have to you can keep it completely air-gapped uh, and maintain your air gap um I still didn't like it because it has a little micro SD that you would use. Uh, I think the newer ones are finding other ways around that. But my preferred solution is uh, QR only. Um, and there are some hardware devices that that, that do that. Um, but personally, I prefer, you know, do it yourself, build your own. Uh, uh, while they were cheaply available, I liked the Raspberry Pi Zero just because it was such a simple device. But you can find other single board computers, things like that. Uh, what you want to look for, though, is one without any uh, networking, no wireless, no Bluetooth, no nothing. Right? And you, and you don't want, like, graphics card on it. You know, you just want, like, a bare CPU that can drive, like, whatever software, like, maybe just lightweight lightweight, like, a Python interpreter, if you're technical, um, if you're less technical, uh, a Raspberry Pi Zero can run a, uh, you know, uh, a Linux version with a little GUI. Uh, it'll go slow as shit embarrassingly slow but who cares you literally only turn the thing on when you want to spend your bitcoin right and you're putting it in cold storage and so this should be a rare thing anyway and i like the idea personally that like it takes me an hour if i have to go sign a transaction you right because i have a, like a multi sig setup and it's complicated and I, I actually want that i want a complicated protocol that like if i'm under duress i probably can't do it <laughs> right um that so that for me that's that's kind of by design but yeah simple simplest uh, hardware you can get your hands on and in a weird way i don't want to recommend anything because like the moment everyone like people started using raspberry pi zeros and i think that the if i put my tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist (laughs) view on here like the moment like seed signer and other groups kind of popularized the idea of using raspberry pi zero for uh, uh bitcoin custody they haven't been available you know oh supply chain disruptions you can still get the the pi fours and other ones but oh getting a raspberry Pi zero here you can get the, the 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 zero w the one with the wireless card Fuck <laughs> that. i think yeah, that, I, I, to, I worry uh, too much about that like um, but
1: anyway anyway i was about to raise that same concern because yeah as soon as something gets too much attention like that like you said then it becomes an attack vector
2: um correct,
1: correct. like are there any viable alternatives to pi zero out there in the market that that aren't being used at such a large scale
2: um the one I honestly would recommend right now um is go on to your whatever Craigslist isn't the thing anymore but wherever people buy shit, um find a really 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 old laptop which <laughs> you know before they came with wireless cards uh has a usb great uh install uh or just run like if it can run tails great so maybe old but just enough to run tails os um that's a really good way if you're just trying to get something running uh tails os comes with electrum it's like probably the easy it's probably the most like bang for your buck you can get um just an old laptop uh oftentimes is, is a good bet um you still have issues of you know the nsa level hardware type stuff i talked about before uh and it's so the 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 nice thing about a single board computer is like oh shit like i can look at all the chips on this uh, you know i can account for everything uh i can keep it off and only turn it on if i ever need to sign a transaction that's kind of nice um, so if you can find something like that, um, there, there's a handful of uh, Raspberry Pi kind of competitors ripoff type things, your, your banana pies, orange pies, all those ones. Uh, most of them aim at the, the higher end. I say higher end, all these are really like low end stuff, but they, 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 they're not competing with the pies zero right they, they usually have some memory and they're trying to actually run things appropriately but they often do have a, like a low simple one hard to find one without uh, wi-fi though it's so common with everything today has a wi-fi has wi-fi built in it's sort of annoying um one thing to one thing you can do those if you're if you get and want to geek out about it uh the wi-fi is usually a specific chip and you can't just like i can remove the damn thing and a lot of these devices will still just sort of run just fine um, so that that's an alternative as well if you can't get a, a pi zero that you trust. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, oh, there's one the one other thing I wanted
1: to get into. I mean, we could get into like multi sig and pass and stuff if if you want to, if you have time. But uh, sure. I also wanted to get into seeds. So I guess oh, the yeah, options yeah. are like writing down your seed on paper. There are metal plates, and yep. some people even just go seedless. Apparently, I, I haven't looked too much into that strategy but uh, maybe let's let's talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, that one's a good one to, uh, and I'll use this as another example of where Bitcoin cut through the security theater and brought real security uh, back into uh, play. Um, so like I you'll see in those like recovery seeds or recovery phrases from like password managers or different apps or you know, banks sometimes do that. Um, you know, they just write it down and put it in a fireproof safe. Um, Bitcoiners being Bitcoiners, you know, uh, don't trust, verify, do the two seconds of research, uh, Google this and they're like, oh shit, no, uh, fireproof safes actually do not work as well as you think, especially for pieces of paper. (laughs) Um, so there's, there's a ton of examples on YouTube, but that's actually quite fun. If you're ever interested, those little, like, you know, those fancy envelopes, put your important documents in here and then, you know, during a house fire, they're fine. Uh, no, put it to a test. Uh, everything gets destroyed. Um, big industrial safes do a pretty good job, but it only works once and house fire has to be within certain bounds, blah, blah, blah. So Bitcoiners being Bitcoiners were like, fuck, let's move to metal. Uh, you know, and what what which metal can we get that's, you know, got a high enough, uh, you know, or it's durable enough and it doesn't melt uh, during a, an average house fire, let's say. Um, so you end up at stainless steel, things like that. Um, and it, 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 you quickly look at which which of the seed plates do the best and which ones are like you know kind of a joke and you know you, you see how the bitcoins took this shit seriously and, and and so that was where like the real security kind of came in there um for myself um i i would point out uh well, actually just a general advice to everyone like um the cost of those like bitcoin seed plates um it, it, if you look at what you're actually getting it's just a piece of metal and you stamp it um you can buy I, I'm not recommending anything I'm just kind of letting people know uh you can buy dog tags really cheap <laughs> you can buy uh tungsten stamping kits really cheap uh they sell it at every hobby store. you can make these yourself very easily just do old school dog tags the way soldiers used to wear um but you can you you stamp it yourself manually um and that that I found is like just an easy way time consuming kind of sucks um I like that approach just because, like, hey, I'm going to a hobby store and just buying things that, like, there's millions of YouTubers out there doing fun stamping stuff. I didn't even know that was a hobby, but that's a hobby for people, Um, you know, doing metal stamp engravings and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, But that's essentially all you need. I've seen other people do this, uh, you know, where they just kind of, like, carve into something, do an actual engraving, um, because you're just trying to, like, record those 12 or 24 words or however many words you want uh into metal and to store that somewhere where even if if your house burns down uh you can recover it um and so stainless steel uh something like a dog tag not moving parts nothing that if it gets crushed is oh shit i can't read it now Um, so dog tags is is probably one of the best things and anything that kind of resembles that approach of like oh i'm a chunk of metal and something got stamped into me or carved into me that's going to work, just one solid chunk of metal that gets stamped into.
1: I wonder does so. Um, clearly, the metal works way better than paper when it comes to durability, whether it's yeah, because of fire yeah. or chemicals yeah. or or yep. uh, time, yep. Yep. right? With corrosion. Yep. But, um, yes. are, are there attacks that become possible if you use metal that weren't possible if you use paper?
2: yeah man everything's got a trade-off um i mean fuck, you got uh little metal dog tags that if uh you take them out in public or if anyone takes a picture it's really easy to spot uh if anyone scans like oh shit, this is a piece of metal i can uh technically build little scanners that could detect this um all i need to do is read the words that are uh you know carefully stamped into this thing um so you do suddenly need to secure that um and so you'll see some people have their metal stamped things inside another little container um imagine there's some cool superman like x-ray vision out there that could see it oh now they can't it's in a little lead container <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm half joking here by the way but because <laughs> yes there's there's a ton of like real risks there uh, that are kind of fun to think about when you're at that level of paranoia but
1: yeah yeah and like that's that's one of the things where you can't take it like you can have a piece of paper just in your back pocket, even walking through the TSA, but it would set off the alarm if you had a steel plate.
2: Correct, correct. Right. Yeah, for, for this is maybe a good way to, think, this is where like uh, your, your living situation and environment really come into play. Uh, for a lot of people, especially, you know, living in most of North America, you know, they've got property or a house or access to a trusted uh, property or house, right? So they, they can, the metal really makes sense there. Uh, Other people, uh, and I spent a lot of my life living, say, in New York City, like, oh my God, I don't think I would have done a metal anything in New York City. Because, yeah, I can't get it out of the city without, like, traveling somewhere, getting on a plane or going somewhere. Like, holy shit, my life was, at the time, all about travel, either through work or whatever. Um, Since uh, COVID and pandemics and all that, I've been working remote, and I'm, like, kind of remote myself. And so then suddenly like metal makes a lot more sense. You know, guns and metal make a lot more sense to me. But in those days where I'm like, and there's still many Bitcoiners living in big cities, a, a different lifestyle, like metal may not actually make the most sense just for that reason. Like it's hard to take that somewhere without you have just, you know, disclosed your keys to everyone at the TSA, which is probably a mistake. Fortunately, right now, because Bitcoin, we're still so early. And I think the average TSA person doesn't know what the fuck Bitcoin is or a metal seed plate, but that will change in the future. Um, I'd say for that situation, for someone who does move around a lot, the 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 you know memory seeds might be the a, a good option as well. If if you're really trying to just move massive amounts of Bitcoin from <laughs> one place to another yourself, you know leaving your tyrannical country to go somewhere else um writing it on paper might also be that would, that would make me nervous um you know what i mean like they, someone could yeah, stop well, you search yeah. you what's on this piece of paper oh my life savings so the, the memory <laughs> one i think i i wouldn't trust the paper or metal in an airport i guess is where i'm going with this just me yeah. personally well this is
1: where I, you can get into memory. hybrid you can get into hybrid approaches with passphrases and multi-sig at this point and then that mitigates correct. some of those issues
2: correct correct um, yeah, no, and there's, there's fun little things. Uh, I mean, one, one nice little trick, like multi-sig is an easy thing you could do here. Like if you're getting into hybrid where you like, Hey, every, so they, so when you're rolling your dice and you get your 256 bits, let's say, um, you know, so this will be, if it's 256 bits, this will be 24, uh, seed words. Um, and if you want to do multi-sig and so you've got, you know, let's say two of those or maybe three and you're do a two of three or something like that. Um each of those three is also as could be a single sig uh wallet right all three of them together can be a two of three or however you want to do it um and so one thing one thing if, if you're worried about this kind of like hybrid approach um you can have like a little honeypot uh, uh stash some small amount of sats on on the single sig version of it so i'm going to go through the airport with my my piece of paper but it's you know maybe there's another piece of paper or i've got the other one in memory. Uh, and if someone does get this piece of paper and and goes and looks for common derivation paths and stuff like that, they're gonna find some Bitcoin, some small amount. But the real stash was actually in my multi-sig. Like you could do all sorts of crazy, fun little things like that. Um I don't know at that point yeah, it's more it's like always... fun, like uh, I don't know, you know, spy novel type of thinking here. But <laughs> it's cool stuff. This is what's so fun about Bitcoin, is it gets you thinking about the stuff that never in a million years would I have thought about otherwise. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's very cool. And it, it's always a good idea to have decoy wallets, whether you're using passphrases or multisig. Correct. Um, Correct. The passphrase one's pro- uh, although with the passphrase, I know that when you use the passphrase, it, com- it creates a completely separate wallet and there's no link Correct. between the two in terms of public. Yeah, disability. yeah, um, with multisig, important- I think it depends yes. on how you set it up, right?
2: Well, no, so so both of those, it's, it's the same. So um, and, and when we say passphrase, it gets confusing. because that same word is sometimes used for like encrypting a wallet file itself. And so there's like there's that like you've encrypted your wallet file and most people who are playing around with a computer learning about bitcoin often make a wallet file and they'll hear it's encrypted file um whereas what we're talking about if you if you roll your dice and you get your 24 words this passphrase uh the mic you're talking about this is like a 25th word right it doesn't have to be one of the official words in the in in the BIP 39 either it's like just some extra entropy you're adding on top of what you already have there um and that, that can be great, because then if someone does steal, I mean, a common approach that I'd recommend to people, like, get do your 24 words, or you can even do 12 words. Um, it's still honestly just, a, or not just as secure, sorry, sufficiently secure for most most people. But get get your words there, get that in metal. If you're paranoid enough, use the 25th word, but make sure it's something, one, you'll never, ever, ever forget um and it's it's it helps and then if someone does you know crack that maybe you did have a decoy wallet on that and then just by adding every little tiny bit uh of difference that you add or change uh is, is a completely different wallet new derivation path uh everything um and same uh, even with the multi-sig one right so the multi-sig is you would you could you could do that for each of in, in a two of three example um, each of those three, if I added uh, uh, and, uh, a passphrase or added that 25th word, so to speak, um, I'm creating a new, uh, 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 I don't know what to call that. And basically a, a, the new base, a new, it'll be a different pub key, different everything that will be a completely different quorum uh, for the multisig itself.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've, uh, you've written about all these subjects, I believe, when it comes to custody and... Um
2: i have started to I've started to, to yeah mm-hmm.
1: so this yeah this is your website is is BitcoinTrue.com. do you want you want to just uh tell the listeners sure. a little bit about that yeah
2: I'm I'm and it's it's just slowly coming together because like this is something I like I obviously went deep into um I've been learning a ton about um and I started putting it together somewhat recently just as a place to like I found myself having like the same arguments over and over and having to go look up the same stuff and find things and i'm like i'm going to try writing this and i also wanted to like find good criticisms and it was hard to find so i was like i'll, I'll start collecting that and kind of putting some thoughts on those but the parts i'm, I'm still trying to explore and i want to actually put this down is, is is exactly the stuff we're talking about so I've, I've started some of that on that website is bitcoin true um and it was it started out just like a personal website for me to literally just leave notes and <laughs> different th- different ideas and i and i so i'm trying to polish it up now and and add in um so like the the things we talked about with custody um i'm hoping to add in like 12 layers uh starting at like hey just if i go buy some bitcoin and get it off the exchange you know level one like start real simple work your way up um level 12 is like you're completely off grid and uh, uh, the signing ceremonies, crazy heroes journey, like it's the most extreme, like NSA resistant uh, security you could possibly have. Right. Um, and as, since I'm working in uh, mining stuff right now, I started like doing the same for mining, like some, you know, what does it mean to get into mining? What are the different levels of like starting really basic and then getting into like fun off-grid craziness? Um, and the same also, I have a section in there for commerce that I wanna explore. Um these areas I haven't uh deep into those levels haven't really written fully about yet, but I have uh, a bunch of stuff that I could write about them, and then I want to organize into something a little more presentable um because I find this is this is an area that like there's some some good stuff out there. there's like Glacier protocol, for example, for like the custody space uh yeti's another one um, handful of stuff out there that's pretty good uh cold card docs are, are are really good. But I think a lot, for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's hard to like sift through and find the good information through all the noise of all the bullshit scams and nonsense. Like, I mean, there's there's like fucking, you know, some of the hardware wallets uh, putting out like just bad fake information, I would call it, uh, about like, oh, no, no, you, you shouldn't build your own thing. And air-gapped, uh, the, no, that's not as secure as using our secure element chip and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, this is just actually wrong um and so there's 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 a lot of just shitty information out there not just from shit coiners. i mean from actual bitcoiners who were, you know they're selling hardware wallets or it's their job to do it um and it, it's it's hard to find that so i was like let me let me try to put something together with like good protocols uh for custody good uh like learning for like mining right like going deep into these these topics um so i find myself having these conversations with a lot of people at different you know bitcoin meetups and stuff and it was like i i one, I just have some source I can put it all so that's that's the website is bitcointrue.com and yeah my goal there is always just to like have a good uh, source of information for my own reference and hopefully help help others as well uh especially like custody levels I think because that one applies to everyone I think everyone should every individual uh you know whoever thought of having a savings account who wants to save for the future should be saving in bitcoin especially right now if they can uh in the distant future this will be harder and harder to do um, but anyway
1: Cool. Well, yeah, I think we've been going for like probably over two hours now, but uh, I think that was a great, great episode. And thank you for for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, man, this is, this is fantastic. It's fun.
1: All right, so yeah, we'll get your uh, uh, your Nostra and y- your website uh, in the show notes. Is there anything else you want us to include, or, or people can find? No, that's there?
2: good. And is it is it officially like Nostra or Nostra? I I, I still don't know how to pronounce that properly.
1: I don't know. I hear, <laughs> I hear people pronounce it every different way, but the iOS app is called Damus, Damus, so I assume yeah. it's Nostradamus, right?
2: Uh, okay, going Nostras and Nostradamus. Okay, okay. Nostradamus. <laughs> I know that the other I, don't clients, know. I don't know. I don't know like the, place. The,
1: web, the web client is different than a, the Android client is, is called something different, so uh, yeah, yeah yeah I, I think yeah that was on purpose.
2: <laughs> I'm still i'm i'm dabbling i'm dabbling with i i had gotten off of uh, social media a very long time ago i never touched it like i have linkedin and uh getting on uh nostra nostra uh i was like oh, this seems kind of cool but i'm still like uh, maybe it'll have all the bad parts of social media <laughs> it'll be better than the existing shit show of twitter and facebook and all that but like maybe this just is not a good thing for humanity <laughs> sending messages like in this kind of forums, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm on there. Uh, I'm not super active on there. Um, but yes, you can find me on there. Please uh, message me and reach out.
1: All right, great. Yeah. We'll, we'll get your info in the show notes. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for awesome. coming on and yep, uh, yep. we'll wrap this one up.
0: And we thank you for listening to us today. You can find us on Twitter and Noster at Tokyo Citadel. You can find us on our main site, tokyocitadel.com and please check out our guests that that you heard today support us on the fountain app with a thousand sat boost or head on over to the site and hit us up with some love over there building sovereignty privacy and hope into the tokyo citadel see you next time